This is the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the disciples, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom arrived. And those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore. For you know neither the hour nor the day. The gospel of our Lord. Well, I don't think any of us have trouble connecting with this morning's readings. In Amos, people are waiting for an important day. Some of them with excitement and hope, some with fear and trepidation and gloom. In Thessalonians, people are waiting for something they expected to be already over but it hasn't happened yet, and they don't know what to do in the meantime. And in Matthew, people falling asleep as they wait for something they thought would be finished days ago, I mean a long time ago. And by the end of the story, some people are celebrating with joy, while others are disappointed and upset and left out. Every Sunday, our readings come from a three-year cycle we call the Revised Common Lectionary. And while there are some Sundays when it's hard to draw connections between the readings and daily life, there are other times when it's really easy. The thing that binds all of today's readings together is the theme of waiting I trust that sounds familiar to you after this week. I wrote this sermon first on Friday morning, and at that point, all of us had been waiting for days to learn the results of the election. And while I don't plan to talk about it very much this morning, I want to tell you again, as I did through email earlier this week, that I know the results of this election are very much like the end of this parable we heard Jesus tell. Some people are rejoicing, while others feel disappointed and left out. No matter where you find yourself, I want you to know that I love you and I'm here if you want to talk or to pray. What became even more painfully clear to me during the waiting is that we continue to be deeply divided as a nation. And no single candidate or elected official is going to fix that. To be honest, I'm not very certain what can or will fix our divisions and bring us healing, but 
I do feel pretty confident it won't be the government. It will begin with regular, everyday people like us, working to create unity and to bring healing and to bring justice wherever we can. And how we plan to do that in our daily lives, at home, at work, in the classroom, online, in public, that's something we should all spend time thinking about in these coming weeks and months. You know, back in 1981, Tom Petty wrote a song that included the words, the waiting is the hardest part. I think a few of you might have been around for it. And over and over in my own life, and as a pastor, I found that to be true. Waiting is difficult, and it's become more difficult in today's culture when the vast majority of human knowledge is at our fingertips, when we expect instant gratification and two-day shipping and immediate results. We're not good at waiting. A friend of mine in college used to joke that the most dangerous thing that you can pray for is patience. Because then God's going to put you in situations that require you to be patient. Waiting is hard. And often that's because we don't know how long we're going to be waiting for. I remember as Penny's due date just sailed on by. And it felt unbearable to not know how much longer we would have to wait until she was born. Though I realize it occurs to me it was probably a little bit harder on Annie than it was on me. This is part of the reason why COVID is so frustrating, right? We don't know how long we'll have to wait until we can get back to some of the activities that we love or until there's a safe vaccine available or until life will feel normal again. Waiting is difficult and frustrating because it reveals our powerlessness. It shows us how little control we have over many of the things that force us to just wait. And the waiting is the hardest part. Waiting for the diagnosis. Waiting for the test results. Waiting for the job offer. Waiting for a sense of direction or guidance. Waiting for the school acceptance letter. Waiting on news from a loved one. Waiting for grades. Waiting for an answer to prayer. I have sat with so many people waiting, and it really is the hardest part. Even the earliest Christians had a hard time waiting. One of the biggest challenges the early church faced was waiting for Jesus to return. See, when Jesus left, his followers were positive that his return was imminent, that it was going to happen any day now, any moment. And as the first generation of Christians began to die before Jesus returned, the rest of them faced some big questions. Like, when is this going to happen? When is Jesus coming back? How should we live and wait? What should we do in the meantime? And I know that these concerns probably seem strange to many of us. Because here we are, almost 2,000 years later, still waiting for Jesus to return. And most of us go through our daily lives without thinking very much about Jesus coming back. 
Sure, every now and then the, the media reports that somebody claims to have special knowledge and they know exactly when Jesus is coming back. But then those predicted times pass by without anything happening. And then we just don't think about it very much. We don't walk around with an sense that Jesus' return might be imminent. We don't feel the anxiety and concern that the early church felt about it. That's just what happens when you've been waiting for something for 2,000 years. And that brings us to the parable that Jesus told this morning. A story about a wedding, which is really a parable about waiting. See, weddings were different in those days. It was custom for bridesmaids to get lamps and to wait for the groom to show up at his father's house. That's where the real party would take place. And it would begin when the groom arrived. Now, I thought our wedding was a little bit over the top. Sorry, Annie, watching at home. But in this parable, there are 10 bridesmaids. They went out with their lamps to wait for the groom, but he was running late, really late, so late that the bridesmaids fell asleep, and some of them ran out of oil because they didn't bring any extra. So when the groom finally arrived, five of the bridesmaids didn't have enough oil to keep their lamps lit. They missed out on the party because they weren't prepared to wait well. Just like those bridesmaids, we've been waiting a long time for Jesus to come back. And it's easy for us to get sleepy, to let our lamps go out as we wait, to allow fear and difficulties to to tear down and choke our faith. Jesus said that we are the lights of the world, but so many things, especially waiting, can cause our light to dim, even to go out. So how do we wait well? How do we wait well? The challenge is for us to find a balance between complacency and panic between not thinking about Jesus' return and being obsessed with it, between serving God with a sense that Jesus might return today and pacing ourselves so we can continue to serve God tomorrow in case he doesn't. And as we wait, we are called to live faithfully and courageously and with hope. And I know that waiting is hard, But one of the things that makes waiting easier is other people. It's easier when we wait together. Back when I was serving my home congregation in Nutripoli, every year I would take our high school students on a retreat to Virginia Beach in March, because that's where you want to be in March, Virginia Beach. And one year late at night, I told them all to grab a blanket and to meet out on the beach. I spaced everybody out a few feet from one another. I imagine you know what that feels like. And I gave everyone a candle. And I told them that their only job was to keep their candles lit. Some of them tried digging holes. Some wrapped themselves in a blanket. I think some of them are still regrowing the eyebrows that they singed. It was cold. It was windy. And one by one, candles began to flicker out until there were only two left. 
Everyone else just sat there in the darkness until I told them to go over to the two candles that were lit, to relight their candles, and then to keep their candles lit together. And what a difference that made. Together, every candle stayed lit. See, that's part of what church is about. We help each other to wait. We help each other to keep faith in the midst of doubt and fear and waiting. It's what we do in church every week, including right now, when we hear that Christ is with us, that God loves us. It is easy to doubt. It's easy for our lights to grow dim as we wait, as we wait for God to answer prayers, wait for the doctors to deliver news, wait for healing, wait for God to make things right, wait for Jesus to return. The church is a place for people who are waiting, who are living with hope and anxiety, faith and doubt, victory and struggle. This is a place where we care for each other, we support each other, we encourage each other, we love each other, we wait together. So whatever it is that you're waiting for, know that this is a safe place to bring your fears and your anxieties, your struggles, and yes, your impatience. And while you wait, do so with the sure hope that Jesus Christ is with you. That God does love you. Wait with confidence that the God and Lord of the entire universe continues to come into our lives with acts of compassion and love. Wait with certainty, my friends, that that God's kingdom will be fully established on this earth. And as we wait for Jesus to return, not knowing when it will happen, let us wait together and together keep our candles lit. Amen.